Now it's time to cut through the clutter and noise with one of the South's most recognized voices. Just saying. This is Just Saying with Jason Scarborough. Jason, what's up, brother? You may not always agree with him, but he's just saying. Now let's get to it with the man, the myth, the legend. Well, most days. Here's Jason Scarborough. Well, you didn't think we'd be gone for long, did you? Episode 5, Just Saying is back after a, what, one-week hiatus? You know, we get busy. We've got things going on this time of year. But we are back this week and a great show lined up for you, as always. Glad you're listening, wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, possibly Stitcher. Finally found out what Stitcher is, thanks to my brother. Appreciate that. And we're also on the TuneIn Radio app. A great show lined up for you. It's going to be heavy college football with the first weekend of SEC college football and we'll we'll kind of be heavy in that area this particular show because that is our bread and butter and how can you not love SEC football if you're listening outside of the SEC I'm sorry (laughs) that's really all I can say she's back by popular demand she's the one and only my steam co-host she's Blair Buys hey you how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm holding up. You know, obviously why. So you, you truck on. That's, that's what you do. So we've got a, a good show lined up. I'm going to go ahead and lay out our guest list before we get into our topics here. Hugh Freeze is going to join us coming up. He is, of course, the head football coach at Liberty. They had a big win last weekend, and he had a birthday over the weekend uh, this past Sunday. So Coach Hugh Freeze going to join us from Virginia, coming up on the KDMC guest line. Max Howell, former college football assistant coach at Florida State, Ole Miss. Some of you might remember him from one of our episodes of audibles with yours truly he coached Deion sanders in college of course Deion now can't believe it the jackson state head football coach and he coached him at smith in high school at escambia high school in florida they were the number one high school team in florida back when coach howell coached them of course he also created southern sports tonight and the show that i used to listen to him on was conference call years ago all across the southeast dozens of radio affiliates and of course, he's had a. He was the first sports talk host in Atlanta. Think about that. The first sports talk radio station in Atlanta. He was. He was one of the hosts. That's insane to think that, but he was. He's got a lot of great insight on the first weekend in SEC football. You might want to pay attention to that segment coming up later. What he thinks about Alabama. What he thinks about Florida. And what he thinks about the two Mississippi teams, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Speaking of Mississippi State, the athletic director of the Bulldogs, the Mississippi State University Bulldogs, Coach John Cohen. I still call him Coach. He picks at me about that, but I tell him, you're always going to be Coach to me. So that rounds out our guest list. All guests appearing via the KDMC guest line online at kdmc.org. All right, let's start with college football. That's one thing that you've been wanting to talk about this week specifically, and it might be good that we took last week off. So SEC football, it was – I like this conference-only schedule. I like it. Mississippi State with a big win at LSU. Ole Miss looked good on offense against Florida. Yeah, defensively, it's another story. Alabama did what you expected them to do against Missouri. Auburn looked a little better than I expected against Kentucky. 
Uh, let's see. A&M looked bad. That didn't shock me. They're highly overrated. Georgia looked bad for a half against Arkansas, this week's opponent for Mississippi State. And then I don't know what Kirby Smart said to them at halftime, but it worked because they came out and just, what was it, 32, 33 unanswered points, whatever it was. What game did you watch? Did you watch all of them? What would you take away from the first weekend in SEC football? I watched most of them. I watched all of Mississippi State and LSU, which I loved that game. It was so good. I just, I'm very, very proud to be from Mississippi. And you know how I feel about Mike Leach. I love Mike Leach. He's, I loved him when he was at Washington State. I think he's such a, a good guy and he just is so funny. And I think he's a good leader. So Mississippi State really impressed me the most. But yeah, I watched, you know, Kentucky and Auburn. I watched Florida Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. Um, not so much Georgia-Arkansas. I didn't watch Alabama. I knew how that was going to end. Um, Tennessee and South Carolina. I mm. mean, uh, you know, I mean, that was an away game for Tennessee. And, you know, Tennessee's ranked, um, I think, they were ranked 16 in the country. And I honestly thought for a second South Carolina was going to come back and beat them. I, I don't know if I'll – I mean, I like Tennessee. I like the head coach. I don't have a problem with it. Um their quarterbacks okay I just I don't know if, you, if South Carolina can play that good of a game against you I don't I don't know how long they'll stay in the top but um and then A&M and, and Vanderbilt A&M look terrible absolutely terrible I don't understand how they keep ranking A&M in the top 15 top 10 preseason every single year I don't know if it's like a Jimbo Fisher thing or or what it is but i I think I'm going to try to head to the start bowl for the Mississippi State A&M game, so that'll yeah. be really fun. Overall, I was extremely impressed with Costello at Mississippi State, and um, I love that. I just thought that game was so good. I love games like that. They keep you on the edge of your chair all night long and, and everything. Um, like you said, Ole Miss's defense could do some work, but Corral really impressed me, too. Yeah. Honestly. Um was not expecting it, and I mean, from first quarter on, I was like, "Who is this? What has happened?" <laughs> like, completely new human being. Like, I'm sorry, is Eli Manning under that <laughs> helmet? I'm, I was just very confused, but I was very impressed by him. I think Ole Miss has the potential to do decent this year, but um, one of my friends has kept telling me, you know, if, like with Mike Leach. And also, Kiffin, if you can just beat one of the big three, Auburn, Alabama, or LSU, once a year, and then every other year, every other year when the egg ball, I mean, you're set up for life at mm-hmm. either one of those schools. You know, so, and I think Mike Leach, obviously, I feel like he has the potential to do that. Um, we'll see with Kiffin. I mean, I was, I love John Rice Plumley. I wish I could have seen a little bit more of him um, in the game against Florida, but you have to understand. I mean, they're playing Florida, and Florida's supposed to be great this year, so we'll see. We'll see about that, but I'm really loving the all-conference schedule. I wouldn't mind seeing this throughout the rest of the years come. I mean, I I really like it. I think I like seeing some SEC West teams playing SEC East teams and um, kind of getting a feel in both. But, you know, it's funny. I saw a tweet that said, you know, this is the most SEC teams to lose an opening weekend ever. <laughs> and I was like, well, 
seven of them have to lose. There's 14 teams in the SEC, and they're playing each other. So, obviously, seven of them have to lose. I think I might be hopping on the Mississippi State bandwagon. I mm. hate to say it, but not not necessarily. I mean, my cousin plays football at Mississippi State, and my dad was in Mississippi State. And I, like I've always said, I'm a Mississippi fan. It really doesn't matter if it's Ole Miss or Mississippi State, Jackson State. I don't care. But I love Mike Leach. I'm a big Mike Leach girl, and I'm liking Costello and and Hill's great. So, you know, they shut down LSU pretty well. So I'm, I think I might be um, hopping on that, that, what is it, this lane train at Oxford. What, mm-hmm. I guess, the pirate. Uh, it's, the, it's the pirate bandwagon. Yeah, we'll call it that. So yeah. I'm hopping on pirate bandwagon, okay. I guess. Here's the thing that I'll say about that LSU-Mississippi State game. And I, I'm going to talk to Coach Howell about this later on in the show. And I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. Great win. Anytime you come out of Tiger Stadium with a win. I mean, I've been down there personally, either for State, Ole Miss. We went to Florida LSU last year. We were the, thankfully, the only Mississippi media outlet that was allowed to come to Florida LSU last year. And that was just, that was one of the best games I've ever seen, ever. It was that good. And Florida, they brought all those dudes back from last year. And to me, they played LSU. I saw it up close and personal. They played LSU better than anybody else did all year. People will say, well, what about Alabama? LSU took their their foot off the gas pedal in the game against Alabama. Anyone could see that. They took their foot off the gas and they coasted the rest of the way. Florida was in it neck and neck with LSU. And that was at LSU last year. LSU lost all these guys. I mean, all of them. A ton of coaches, players to the NFL. So I would caution LS, or I'm sorry, I would caution Mississippi State fans just a little bit to understand that's a big win. Anytime you go down there and come back with a W, it's big. But, dot, 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 but you don't want it to be fool's gold for Mississippi State because they're not going to play another decent conference opponent. I mean, they play Arkansas this weekend. Right. Arkansas is not any good. Arkansas is not any good at all. And then they have to travel to Kentucky. We'll learn a little bit more about Kentucky this weekend because Ole Miss goes to the Bluegrass State. And then they come back on the 17th and host Texas A&M. And then after that, they go to Alabama. So there's a three-game stretch there where we're going to learn a little bit more about Mississippi State. They host Auburn this year. They have to go to Georgia. And they have to go to Oxford for the Egg Bowl, obviously. So... Big win, no doubt. Enjoy it. Anytime you go down to Baton Rouge, you come back with a win. Enjoy it. It's huge. But you also have to understand that LSU team, you and I talked about it over the weekend, they looked bad, really bad. They did look really bad. And, I mean, I mean, like you said, they lost so many people to the NFL and, and they lost lots of coaches and stuff. So, I mean, LSU is always going to be a above average, I feel like, than Arkansas or A&M or someone like that, Vanderbilt. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. I completely agree. It's not – they're not beating LSU circa 2019. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do versus Alabama and Auburn. But I genuinely feel like Mike Leach is an offensive genius. I love seeing the air raid in the – I mean, in the um, SEC. It, played out beautifully um I, 
I'll just think Michael H is brilliant when it comes to offense. But, um, yeah, LSU, I mean, it was a great win. And that was their first game coming off of the national championship. So it was cool to see. But I completely agree. It's not the same LSU team. So it'll be interesting to see what LSU does the rest of the year because mm-hmm. they have some – Pretty big opponents. I mean, they have to play Auburn. They have to play Alabama. I mean, they're playing the same team everybody else is playing, all the same teams everybody else is playing. So that'll be interesting to see. What's going to be really interesting to see is how the end of the season starts to play out, you know, with the playoffs and the championships and, and all that kind of stuff. So that'll be kind of cool to see, I think. Um, I know I'm jumping way ahead of schedule here, but. Um, no, actually, I was- actually, I like where you're going. I like where you're going with that. Okay, so I've got a question for you because a friend of mine, he and I were talking yesterday and, and we made a wager. I told him that I thought that Florida would be in the playoff this year. They're that good. And he said, man, there's no way. They gave up that many yards to Ole Miss. I'm like, Ole Miss offensively showed that they're going to be a handful. you know. And, and Plumlee did not even play the majority of the game. We, we heard, for what it's right. worth, that he had a bum wheel, that he had a hamstring. So he wasn't 100%. I know what Kiffin's telling us. I understand that. I understand what he's telling us in the press conference. Well, you know, the game dictated this, dictated that. Look, we heard he wasn't 100% for whatever that's worth. So you put up those kind of numbers without the most dynamic player, one of the most dynamic players in the SEC last year. That says something. So this friend of mine, we made a wager. And he said, Florida will not make the playoff. You have lost your mind. I'm like, Florida will be in the playoff. I think Florida is good enough to beat Alabama. How about that? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. The thing about the playoff is if they can prevent getting two SEC teams in the playoff, they're going to do it. They haven't been able to, but I, I feel like if they can prevent getting two SEC teams in the playoff, that's that's what their main goal will be. Just because I don't know why it's a lot of notes like that. Everybody, unless you're from South, you hate the SEC. But, um, you know, I, oh, I don't know what I think about that because I feel like Alabama has a bigger chance of getting into the playoff because they're Alabama over Florida. But, I mean, if there are two teams in the playoffs that are from the SEC, which, I mean, it happens. Um, my second choice would be Florida, no doubt. I don't think Georgia's going to be as good as they've been. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida was, but I would pick Alabama over Florida. I just – Tim Brando I came – I don't want to mess with Nick Saban. You don't want to what? I don't want to mess with a Nick Saban. Dan Mullen does not scare me whatsoever. Dan Mullen is one heck of a play caller. I know that. I mean, he, he called a phenomenal he game. He did. He did. I'll give him that. But I don't know. I've just never really been a fan of Dan Mullen, so – Oh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Dan Mullen by any stretch. I mean, I I think the guy's a turd. But I can also, (laughs) yeah, I just said that the guy's a phenomenal play caller. You know, I I don't have to like him. That that's the thing that gets me about all this presidential debate stuff. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. But you don't have to be. I don't have to like your personality. Do you get the job done? That's the question. Do you get the job done? You know, some the most successful people aren't always. Can you be successful and be classy and be tactful? Sure. But I would rather have someone that gets the job done than someone who it's all cotton candy and verbal bouquets all the time. Here's a look at Florida's schedule. All right, so coming up Saturday, they host South Carolina, 11 o'clock kick. 
Then they go to A&M. Then they host LSU. I think they're going to beat the brakes off LSU. That's what I think. I do too. Then they host Missouri. Yeah, I can see that. I, I'm just, I really feel like Florida is going to have to improve a ton defensively to. Oh, for sure. You know, make as far as your hope. Oh, you're saying they could in the playoff. I mean, it'll, what week do they play Alabama? Well, that's what I'm getting to. They play, they host LSU on the 17th. They host October 17th, obviously. They host Missouri on October 24th. They've got the classic every year. What is it? The greatest outdoor cocktail party or whatever it's called with Georgia on the 7th of November. Then they host Arkansas on November 14th. They go to Vanderbilt on November 21st. They host Kentucky the weekend of Thanksgiving. And they go to Tennessee on December 5th. I just don't see any game on there that scares me for Florida. Maybe Georgia. I don't see LSU beating them. Maybe. Eh, I mean, it's the SEC. Anything can happen. I don't. A&M, that game doesn't scare me. Uh, Florida Florida does not play Alabama in the regular season. No, they would have to meet Alabama in the SEC championship game, December 19th. See, that's another thing with the playoff situation is since they don't play each other regular season and one of them's in the East and one of them's in the West, whoever wins that most likely wins that. I mean, it obviously depends on how Clemson does and other teams and other conferences for the playoffs. But let's say, you know, Florida has one loss and Alabama has none and they meet each other in the SEC championship and – let's say Alabama beats them, I don't see Florida getting into the playoff unless there really aren't any other decent teams to hop on in there with the four-team playoff. You know, this is what really bothers me talking about the playoff, though, is I'm kind of shifting gears here. I wish there it was a bigger playoff bracket. I don't like the four teams. At least I wish we had six teams. I think we're heading there, just though. I think we are, too, just because, I mean, four-team playoff, could they always hop in and put in another dame or someone who cannot compare just so you don't have three SEC teams in the top four? And someone always gets blown out. It'd be so much easier to have the number one team play the number 16 team and then so on and so on and so on. I mean, you would only – that's the great thing about keeping an all-conference schedule. Keep the all-conference schedule, shorten the schedule by like two weeks, and then have a 16-team a playoff. Here's what I want to know is if Alabama – now, Tim Brando said a few weeks ago on the podcast that he predicted Alabama's going to lose two games this year. I'm going to ask Max Howell about that because Max Howell just believes as long as Saban is in Tuscaloosa, they're the favorite every year. It's them and Clemson. That's it. Now, yeah. remember, Saban has long been the biggest cheerleader for a 10-game conference schedule. Yes. Now – how soon does he pivot on that if Alabama does, in fact, do what Tim Brando predicted on this show, they lose two games? How, how soon does Saban pivot? Because, you know, he did that before. He said, you've got to win your conference championship to be considered for the playoff. Well, the year that Alabama didn't win the conference championship, still got into the playoff. He, he shifted gears and completely did an about-face. So it's not... Out of the ordinary for Saban to do that, to take the stance, whichever benefits his team at the time. 
you know, so for all these people to say that, oh, he's a rock and he doesn't get, no, come on. I mean, you know, how, how soon if they lose two games this year, does he pivot and say, well, you know, we didn't have the benefit of spring ball or any non-conference games and we need to bring those back, make sure we have those next year. I mean, I'm predicting right now, man, I'm just full of predictions today. Florida, Florida in the playoff, first of all. That if Alabama loses two games, if in fact they lose two games and they do not make the playoff, because if they lose two games, they're not making the playoff. I don't think they will. Not this year. I think they lose two games, Saban's going to turn right back around and be like, oh, you know, he's going to do an about face. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Wouldn't be surprised. You know, I genuinely feel like if they do end up having two losses, he will be wanting to put some back on his schedule next. <laughs> Ooh, Southern Miss. Wow. Georgia Southern or Coastal Carolina or things like that. Troy. Yeah, poor Southern Miss. I love Southern Miss. I will always be an Eagle, but God help them. So, should I ask Hugh Freeze if he's a candidate for the Southern Miss job when he joins us? I mean, I got to ask him, right? I mean, you definitely could. Do I think he is? Absolutely not. But um, I think I know what answer I'm going to get. These guys have their answers rehearsed. And maybe I'll get something. I don't know. Maybe I'll get something better out of them. Who knows? But, I mean, he has to know that those questions are coming if he's doing an interview with somebody in Mississippi, I would think. I would think he knows that's coming. But, all right, let's shift gears real quick. All right, in two minutes, two or three minutes, (laughs) the debate this week. Oof. Man, you and I were texting during that. I'm not going to completely go into the play-by-play of what the text contained. But yeah, please don't read the message. No, no, no. No, I wouldn't do that. But we, we were both severely agitated. You were really, really agitated. All right. Your analysis of the presidential debate earlier this week in a couple of minutes. Go. All right. So... And here's my thing. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without making everybody very mad. So, you know what? I really don't care if you like it or not. That's fine. I like Donald Trump. I love him. I think he is an incredible president. I think he has a big mouth and could probably keep it shut sometimes. But I'd almost rather my president be a bully than let people walk all over him and bully him. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather him be the bullier than to be bullied. And I think people are scared of him. I think people don't want to attack him. I I genuinely feel like probably our national security is better than ever because other countries are terrified of the United States of America with him. Our military is better than ever. You know, I could go into detail, lots of detail. We could do a whole podcast, hour and a half, about Donald Trump which we're not going to do today. But I watched the debate last night, and I genuinely felt like Donald Trump was not only debating Vice President Biden, but he was debating Chris Wallace, who, by the way, is an employee for Fox News. I felt like every single question that Chris Wallace asked Trump was almost worded in a way where he could not answer it right or wrong without offending somebody or saying the wrong thing. And he was, and then Chris Wallace would turn around and ask Joe Biden these elementary school questions. And then I don't know if you pay attention or not to the listeners, 
But, for example, they talk about the, the Green Deal, okay? Biden says, I'm not for it. It literally says on his website that he's for it. Like, and then, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there's a video of him wearing this, you know, jacket. And under the jacket, you can kind of see a wire. It almost looks like he was wired up. So that's interesting. But I, I felt like Trump could be interrupted, but all hell would break loose if he tried to interrupt Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I mean, neither. I, I wish they would almost cut the mics out and let the other ones talk. But, I mean, that's part of the debate is you're both trying to get your point across, but when you're not letting Trump get his point across because you're asking him these questions that are double-sided and you can't, you know, weave your way around them, what do you expect him to do? He's going to get frustrated. He's going to go nuts. I mean, I was hoping he would almost be a little bit more aggressive. I didn't see what I wanted to see. I wanted to see him talk more about Hunter Biden, and I wanted them to talk more about the Supreme Court. I wanted I don't want to hear any more about COVID. I don't want to hear any more about the climate change. Like, okay, Joe Biden goes on a rant about Brazil and the Amazon rainforest for, like, I'm sorry. I understand climate change is a thing. It's probably an issue, whatever. But we're talking about other foreign countries that we can't go into Brazil and stop them from tearing down the rainforest. I mean, like, that's not that's not our problem. And so, I don't know, I just, I was, I was invited last night to a debate party to watch the debate with some girls, and I was like, y'all, I want to come, but I cannot, like, there's no way on this planet that I would be able to come over there and be able to keep my mouth shut without spending every single one of you somehow, so I can't do it. <laughs> I was so fuming mad last night watching that. Like oh my, I I can't even begin to fathom what like what I saw on TV last night. It was like two elementary school kids fighting over a seat in the cafeteria. It was bad. It was was really really bad. It was so bad. It was bad. It it would not have been. I wish they'd bring in a third party. Doesn't work for Fox News. Doesn't work for CNN. Like it could be. Ryan freaking Seacrest. I don't care who it is. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan would be great. Not necessarily somebody who is involved with. Someone from Barstool would be great. Honestly. Put Dave Portnoy up there. Let him do it. I love Dave Portnoy. I think he is so funny. Someone who is not hired or employed or getting a paycheck from NBC, ABC, Anyone like that, Fox News, CNN, I promise you will get a better debate because I promise the moderator is just as curious as to what the answer is going to be than as all the other people watching. But when you have a Fox News or CNN guy up there asking questions, they already know what your answer is going to be. They don't care what you're going to say. They're just trying to kind of egg it on or twist words or make you look like an idiot or cause controversy. I promise, if we got someone up there who is not far to the left, not far to the right, like Joe Rogan or Dave Portnoy or Ryan Seacrest, or I don't care, anybody else, then I really feel like we'd have a better outcome during the debate. It might scare the moderator a little bit. But I was extremely, extremely, extremely disappointed in Chris Wallace last night. I was, I was more mad at him than I was at anything else. He was frustrating the mess out of me. 
Well, the thing I with Wallace is the thing with Wallace is he's a career. He's a career, uh, not a career, but he's a lifelong Democratic voter. And so you can't put somebody up there like that that's clearly slanted. And just because he's with Fox News doesn't mean it's going to be because Fox News, they, they maybe have two personalities there, maybe three that are, quote unquote, uh, fair and balanced. But, yeah, I hope that the second debate will will be much more even in terms of questions and whatnot, but it was, yeah, there, there was a lot of things going on social media earlier this week with the debate about drinking games and so on and so forth. So, all right. Now, before we bring up or welcome in Hugh Freeze, before we end this segment, I do want to, I have no idea if they'll listen, but I feel like I have to do it. You know, our family had a loss this week, uh, last weekend. So the the day of SEC football was there was a little bit of a cloud over it. Uh, my cousin's 19-year-old son, Thomas Daniel, uh, lost his life Saturday, 19 years old. And I just remember what, what it was like for me to be 19 years old. And I, I mean, my life was just, I was just starting to figure stuff out at 19. And that's been so long ago for, for me, not so long ago for you, but so long ago for me. And I just can't imagine being 19 and... Your life is is gone just like that. So if they're listening, you know, thoughts and prayers to, to my family on that side. You know, Thomas, Daniel's family, our extended family, funeral this weekend. So I just wanted to, to get that out there and, and just dedicate this show to them. Hopefully, if they have a chance to listen, uh, maybe it'll bring a little, little laughter because uh, we need a lot of it right now. That and that in prayer for sure. So prayers for them. Just wanted to get that in before we ended this segment and brought in Coach Hugh Freeze. That should be an interesting interview. So good work as always. You're going to be down this weekend covering high school football again, Poplarville, and help me out here, Forest County AHS? Yes, I'm so proud of you for knowing that. It's our homecoming game. It'll be good. Um, Blair, I know. I know everything. (laughs) I know that now. Um, Don't know if you all noticed or not, but it looks like I'm going to be in Poplarville for most of high school football this yeah. Here. Um, but uh, you know, I might make my way over to Oak Grove, um, a game or two. We'll see how that goes. Um, I have a feeling. Away game. I have a feeling we're gonna be sending you around some places during the playoffs. I just have that feeling. I just have that. I have the feeling that we're gonna have a lot of fun during state championships this year. I have that feeling also. I also have a feeling that. <laughs> Hugh Freeze is going to answer this question about, is he a candidate for the Southern Miss job? That's coming up next. Blair Byes doing a great job as always. Catch her on Twitter at Blair Byes. She will be live tweeting high school football coverage for us here at the Spirit Media Network this weekend. And give her a follow on Twitter. But I tell you what, you better bring your A game if you're going to try to debate her on Twitter. She is ready to go. So, hey, be safe this weekend. Yeah, I know it. I know. Don't even come at her. She's ready to go. So, good work as always. Hugh Freeze is coming up next from Virginia, the head football coach at Liberty, former Ole Miss head football coach. Is he a candidate for the Southern Miss head football coaching job? We'll ask him next. Just say and rolls on on the Spirit Media Network. During times of uncertainty, it's comforting to know we have a healthcare system in our community that's been committed to supporting us for well over a century. In this current time, 
we are standing together and our bond is stronger than ever. KDMC, caring for our community like no one else can. When it comes to cooking meals, drying clothes, heating water, and my home, natural gas from Centerpoint Energy is the best way to go. It saves money, offers comfort, and is better for the environment. So whether you're buying a new home or just replacing appliances, go with clean-burning, affordable natural gas from right here in the U.S. At Centerpoint Energy, we are investing in infrastructure to help bring comfort and savings to you. Visit centerpointenergy.com slash natural gas benefits to learn more. Centerpoint Energy, always there. Have a topic you'd like discussed on Just Saying? Shoot Jason an email. It's really that simple. Jason at spiritmedianet.com. You never know when your topic or even you may make an appearance on the show. Now, let's roll on here on Just Saying. Sometimes wrong is right. Some of it you learn the hard way. Some of it you read. And we welcome you back to Just Saying, right here with Jason Scarborough on the Spirit Media Network. Wherever you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. I finally learned what Stitcher is. My brother, who's in technology, had to tell me what that is. So it's a pretty popular podcast platform. So we're glad to be with the folks over at Stitcher and, of course, the TuneIn Radio app as well. Our next guest on the KDMC hotline is Liberty head football coach Hugh Freeze. And, Coach, I, I know your schedule this time of year is, is hectic and crazy. I sure appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Well, thank you, Jason, for having me. It's uh, I know you know we've been trying to do this for a while, and uh, thank you again for, for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. And I tell you, the thing about this Liberty football team, they didn't make it easy on you on the sideline, did they, this weekend? It was a close ball game, but you guys are, are 2-0. and what, what have you seen from your team so far this season that stands out to you? Well, I love the chemistry we have. I think our kids enjoy, you know, the process of trying to prepare to win a game. Um, you know, we're not where we want to be as far as depth chart-wise. Obviously, we just moved into – FBS last year for the first full season and so we're, we're still a ways away from getting the, the depth chart the way we want it but Jason if you'd gone out and measured the 40 times and vertical jumps and shuttle runs and, and all of that between us and our opponent last week we probably wouldn't fare very well but the great thing about football is I think sometimes you may not have the best individuals but you can have the best team on a given day and you know and I think that's kind of what I see in our kids right now is we're we we enjoy being with each other and playing the game, and we beat two pretty good football teams, a nine-win Western Kentucky team from last year, a bowl team in FIU last year, and you know, so we're real pleased to be where we are currently. It's interesting because I was wondering if that was your birthday present. You had a birthday over the weekend. Happy birthday, by the way, uh, once yeah, again. That was- yeah, I can tell you this: uh, the birthday's a lot sweeter with uh, with a win <laughs> than it is with a loss. So, uh, my probably my parents were my parents and uh, brother, and of course my wife and daughters uh, are, are all here in Lynchburg. But my parents and everybody came up for the game from Mississippi, so we had all the family here. It was a, it was a great birthday. Is that the most interesting gift that you got? 
over the weekend? Oh, man, my kids and wife, they're always uh, coming up with creative <laughs> stuff. And I got uh, got several good gifts, and Jill and I were able to play a little golf together before I came to meetings uh, yesterday afternoon, and we had a big cookout last night. So it was a, it was, it was a, it was a great day all the way around. Got the Mary Church, Mary Church albums. Really? So, yeah, that's always, that's always, uh, he's my guy. So that's, uh, that was a good thing. It's funny you bring that up because I have a, I have an Eric Church story for you real quick. So the Alabama and Ole Miss game in 2015, I was fortunate to cover that game. And we're in the press conference room listening to your press conference. And then within minutes, we hear the, the big eruption of Hottie Toddy next door. And they said, yeah. Eric Church is leading Hottie Toddy. And this is embarrassing to admit, I didn't know who Eric Church was at the time. I didn't. And that's terrible. I love him now. And I'm like, who's Eric Church? And the person that was with me, she looked at me and said, you're serious. And I'm like, "Uh, no, of course I know who Eric Church is. Of course, I've got all of his stuff. Yeah. But what is your favorite Eric Church song? Do you you have one? Yeah, Sinners Like Me. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, now, I like all of them. He's just my guy. You know, I just love him. I love him as a friend. He's been so kind to me. We've gotten a, we vacationed to this place a couple of times with he and his wife, Captain. They're just incredible people. And uh, I just am crazy about them. This Liberty football program, since you've gotten there, it's just been this sense of optimism. And, and I'm curious, since you've arrived at Liberty, because we, I talk to other coaches, uh, former coaches, current coaches, and they always talk about you you learn every stop that you're on along the way. So I'm curious, what have you learned about yourself as a person and as a coach since you've been there in Virginia? Oh, I definitely have got a a different uh, probably outlook on uh, play calling and managing the game uh, than I did in previous stops, in particular the last few years at Ole Miss, had I had I managed the games a little differently, we probably could have won two or three more. We were deficient on the defensive side uh, a bit in my last couple of years there, and if I would have slowed it down, we were still efficient on offense. We probably could have won a few more games. Um, I do that here now. Um, and I think that's just uh, part of the maturing process of going from being an OC to a head coach, it takes you a little time to get out of that OC mindset. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty there now. And so I think I managed the game better, you know, as far as by myself, you know, I'm a Mississippi boy and, you know, that's my whole life has been in the South. So coming out of your comfort zone is really the first time, you know, I've been out of Arkansas, Tennessee or Mississippi uh, coaching uh, for an extended period of time. And, you know, it's probably harder on me than it was my wife and kids to adjust. Um, but just because you're out of your comfort zone a little bit. But uh, I know that through, you know, the last three to four years of what all, you know, I've gone through, I know that uh, I'm a fighter. I know that, um, you know, I just, I just know that I, I just, I will fight. I will, I will battle. I will grind. And, um, and you have to do that in your mindset as a coach, I think, when you get out of your comfort zone. And so, and now, you know, this place is awesome. It's beautiful. The mountain's awesome. We built a home up in the mountain, and people have been so gracious to us here. And, and I, I've enjoy, I enjoyed last season with the exception of the staff infection that almost put me down. But, <laughs> um, 
and taking the team to his first ever bowl game. I like doing things that are first, and uh, that was pretty special. When you look back at you mentioned Mississippi, so I've got to ask about you know the, the days at Ole Miss, and and I know you take a lot of pride in that. I mean, you have to. You know, we recently yeah. were fortunate to sit down with with Bo Wallace uh, for our Audibles interview, and. Bo is such an interesting guy, and there were some questions that I asked him in that interview, and I and it made me think. Good gosh, there's some questions I now want to ask Coach Hugh Freeze about about Bo, and just his mentality is is interesting. He is an extremely interesting guy. Out of all the, I hate to put you on the spot like this, but Bo Wallace, how would you describe your relationship with him while at Ole Miss, and and what he meant to to you as a coach and to the program? I'm, I'm going to shock you here, and uh, you'll put this on Twitter, and people will say that I've lost my mind, maybe. But uh, Bo Wallace was the most important recruit in my tenure at Ole Miss. Wow. And um, without him, I don't think we go to a bowl game in year one, and I, I don't think you ever get it on a roll where we did what we could do without him. The quarterback room was not ready there um, to compete. In the SEC, I didn't think. Obviously, they hadn't won a game in the last two years in the SEC before our arrival. And I just, uh, and I didn't say he's the best player that I ever recruited. But you know, if you want to talk about the, the the intangible, who was the most important recruit in my tenure at Ole Miss, I would say it was Bo Wallace. I think Bo and I had a great relationship at Ole Miss. There were some, you know, obviously you, you disagree with, you, with people at times and that's the way it is, but he matured so much in our time together. And I know today we have a great relationship, and I'm just extremely proud of, of who he's become. He had a lot of great things to say about you in the interview, and it was so interesting to sit there and watch his reaction to the questions about his time at Ole Miss and his time under under your watchful eye and that offense. And he was just talking about that. You were the main reason – you were the, the sole reason that, that flipped him because he was going to Mississippi State, which is ironic. And then mm-hmm. once you took the job at Ole Miss, he said, that's what that's what sealed it for him because the experience you guys had at Arkansas State, albeit brief, he was convinced yeah. that you were the guy. Well, it was it was not a great great time together at Arkansas State. <laughs> it, uh, I, you know, I'll never forget, of course, you know, it, it didn't end real well at Arkansas State, and he goes and lights it up at uh, in East Mississippi. And then I get the job, and, man, I, I find out right now, oh, gosh, we don't have a quarterback here. And, you know, you only have a week before the – when when I think it was December, maybe, I can't remember, 4th, 5th, or 8th or something when I uh, got the job there. You know, and JUCO signing period is the next week. And so your options are not – you hadn't, it's not like you've recruited a bunch of JUCO quarterbacks. And so <laughs> – you're looking at who is who's not who's the best one out there available, and it was Bo Wallace, and so that was an uh, kind of an awkward phone call. The first one, hey Bo, you remember me? <laughs> yeah. Hey man, I, I I was just playing, you know. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was it was, uh, but you know what? He had matured a lot, and. Uh, and they were, I'm so thankful because, again, I think without him, you don't see the run we had. Hugh Freeze joining us on the KDMC guest line here on Just Saying with yours truly, Jason Scarborough. I'm curious, do you, do you still watch SEC football? I mean, I know coaching takes so much of your time, and running a football program takes so much of your time. But I'm curious how much 
SEC football you still get to consume? Do you still kind of keep up with it from afar? Oh, absolutely. I, I TiVo most every SEC game, and, and obviously I still have a lot of friends that I talk to all the time, you know, whether it be Gus or Nick or Kirby or Eli, you know, those guys are, you know, they're friends of mine. And so um, I keep up with them. We, we talk, you know, Gus and I probably talk every week, you know, you know, I keep up with Ole Miss, obviously, because I just have, you know, the, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of things that that I didn't like and um, about the ending. But as far as man, when time passes and you see, you know, I just know, man, we had a great run there, and, they, and people can't take that away. They can say whatever they want. I was at those games. I was in those meetings. I know how the program was run. And certainly they can talk about me as an individual all they want. But uh, the, the things that we accomplished on the field and and on those Saturdays um, for the Ole Miss faithful, you know, they will be fond memories uh, for me for forever. You know, to give them something to be proud of, uh, that stretch was, you know, quite uh, quite gratifying. Yeah, I remember this, the post-game interview after the Alabama win in Oxford, and you got emotional. Yeah. In that interview, I think it was oh, with Tom Rinaldi. was, man. Come on. That was a day, man. <laughs> Good. That, that was a day. And, uh, yeah, that was an emotional win. You mentioned talking to a lot of your friends, and I know that uh, you and Coach Ed Ogeron down on, on the bayou are, are friends. What was it like for you to watch Coach Ogeron in that run last year with LSU? You know, I, I, I think it's a, a very, very happy for him. And obviously, the growth that had taken place in him, um, and it was, and growth very seldom is painless. <laughs> it's, growth is a lot of times very, very painful, and not everyone can handle those, those painful times and continue to push and continue to grind and continue to chase your dream and your goals. And you know, give him credit, he did. And uh, boy, what a year he had! All right, speaking of coaching. You know, I got to ask this question because if I don't, then people are going to say Jason needs to retire and never needs to do any kind of media ever again. Are you a candidate for the Southern Miss job? Jason, that is a, it's amazing to me um, <laughs> that, that we are in week two of a season and people are already <laughs> talking about coaching candidacies. Uh, I, I love what I do right here at Liberty and excited, uh, you know, obviously about what we're building. I think we're building something really, really special. And, uh, you know, Southern Miss obviously is, a, is, is, is home to me. It's where I graduated from. But, man, to start talking about coaching at this point is, is kind of almost ludicrous in my mind. You should be used to it by now, though, right? Because, I mean, if you look back well, in your career, it seems like you're all, your name is always being thrown in the hat for, for some job in the SEC. Uh, possibly Southern Miss now, so you got to be used to it, right? I tell you, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think uh, I don't think anybody wants me other than Liberty right now. So <laughs> I, don't, uh, I think all that's just talk. But it's uh, um, that does mean that you're doing something good for the program that you're there with. So uh, we'll we'll let them continue to talk. But man, I'm quite content and, and very much at peace here on the mountain. Well, look, I, I'm happy that, that you guys are, are having the success that you are there at Liberty, and I know that we've been uh, wanting to uh, get together for quite some time and wish you guys nothing but continued success there at Liberty and, and hope that we can do this again. Yeah, you thank, thank you so much, man, and you guys take care of yourself down there. Appreciate that. He's Coach Hugh Freeze on the KDMC guest line joining us on Just Say, and we take a break, come back with more right after this on The Spirit. 
Media Network. You often hear about Mississippi's best kept secrets. If you're looking for the perfect place for your next weekend getaway or the just right setting for your wedding reception, look no further than the best kept secret in Mississippi, the Cart Barn Inn. The Cart Barn Inn is tucked away in Bruce, Mississippi, less than 30 minutes from Oxford, and is a full service bed and breakfast. Each room at the Cart Barn Inn is fully furnished, including flat screen TVs, microwaves, refrigerators, wireless internet comfortable seating areas, and docking stations for your smartphones just in case you forgot your charger. Enjoy breakfast in the morning or a nice evening walk in our privately fenced-in courtyard. Enjoy the game outside on our patio area or take a walk on our boardwalk to our private gazebo. Kay Tyler and her staff will meet every expectation during your stay. Call and book your reservation today at 662-983-7829 or log on to cartbarnin.com. Cart Barn Inn, the best Best kept secret in Mississippi. You know there's a light that glows by the front door. Don't forget the keys under the mat. Childhood stars shine Always stay humble and kind All right, we welcome you back to Just Saying right here on the Spirit Media Network as we roll on wherever you are listening. It could be Spotify, it could be Stitcher, iTunes, the TuneIn Radio app. We are all those places, and we're glad that you are joining us wherever you're listening, whether you're on the treadmill, riding down the road. We appreciate it. The downloads have been great so far. And hopefully our next guest will help with those downloads on the KDMC guest line. He is the athletic director at Mississippi State University. He's our good friend, Coach Cohen. And, Coach, always good to talk to you. How are you today? Doing well, Jason. Doing well. Well, you, you've got to – now, I expected a little more than that after this weekend. I expected I am fantastic, spectacular, something along those lines. Because you guys – I'm sure you had a pretty good celebration over the weekend, right? Well, our kids played really hard. And I'm glad that our staff, you know, Coach Leach and his staff got recognized for, you know, all the hard work that they put in and our players – you know, football was taken away from them for a long time, and I think they wanted to go out and, and have the opportunity to compete. And thank goodness our league, the SEC, has made that an absolute commitment, you know, to give these kids an opportunity to compete. But I, I will say, Jake, you know, we're thrilled. You know, you, you hug up the kids, you know, or try to with a mask on or whatever. But, you know, and then you realize they gotta, they've got to pass three you know, they got, they're going to be tested for COVID three times this week. Then Arkansas has, you know, they've got to get their team together. And they, they got to be tested three times this week. And then we, you know, we got to prepare for a team that really held Georgia in place for, for a half a football game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always that next challenge out there. And unfortunately for us, for everybody, if the challenge isn't just football on your opponent, it's COVID. So, you, you know, the other thing is we have a home game, so we got to make sure all of our students and all of our fans are socially distant. And we got to make sure that all those things are taken care of. So, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a short uh, amount of time where you're, you're thrilled by our kids competing our hearts out for Mississippi State. But then you got to turn right around and say, okay, here we go. 
<laughs> we got to get ready for the next one. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I remember I want to go back to when, when we sat down for, for audibles and thank you for, for doing that back in the summer. But when you and I were talking and that's when really this, there was so much uncertainty and we really didn't know if there would be a season and because of athletic directors like yourself and the leadership of Commissioner Sankey, we do have football in the SEC. And so when you look back at that conversation we had in the summer, standing in the middle of Little Dewey's talking about, hey, hopefully we have football. Let's pray we do. Now that we do, yes, all the tests and all the parameters that you have to follow, it's got to be exhausting. But for you to to know that we've got football, that that has to be fulfilling for you and, and a welcome sight. Yeah, I just think, you know, Commissioner Shanky and his staff and quite frankly, the athletic directors and our president just did a great job of being patient and seeing if a possible path toward playing, you know, would reveal itself. And thank goodness it did. And our medical staff here at Mississippi State just done an incredible job. The SEC task, medical task force has done a great job. I, I think this is, uh, when it's all said and done, we might look back at this and say this is our finest hour. You know, we had a lot of challenges, and we, we found a way, just like our country has kind of found a way to deal with something that's extremely difficult. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased with that part. And But we got nine games left, and we hopefully we're going to be able to you know, to keep playing these things. He's Coach John Cohen, Athletic Director at Mississippi State, joining us on the KDMC guest line. All right, so can you share with us what did you say to Coach Leach when you saw him the first moment you saw him right after the game was final Saturday? Yeah, I just said, hey, you know, congratulations and uh, really appreciate all the effort you put into this. I said, how, how you feeling, Mike? He said, John, I'm feeling above average. Which is <laughs> <laughs> which is a typical Mike Leach response. But, uh, you know, after the game, he took time with our fans. He signed things. You know, he's just – Mike is one of those guys who's just very appreciative. And, you know, he, he just – he's not going to get overly emotional. Uh, but I think he did show some emotion with our players. I think he's mm-hmm. awfully proud of the effort. Did we make mistakes in that game? Yeah, we made mistakes. LSU made mistakes. But in the end – I think we gave a superior effort, and and that's all you want when you're a coach or an administrator or an alumni of a school. You just you want supreme effort, and I, I think that's what we got out of our kids. So, what are the challenges as you do head? You talked about some of those challenges heading into the the first home game of the season. So, what do fans need to expect? Fans that can attend, that will attend. So, what would be your message to those fans that want to show up at Davis Wade Saturday? Well, you know, first of all, it starts with our students, and they provide a lot of the atmosphere at our games, and we love them. But they're going, we're, we're marking where they need to sit. The kids need to be socially distant. And I, I think that's something they're used to because they're used to going to school now uh, and having to be socially distant during their classes. They're going to need to be that same way at a football game. You know, the way you go get your Coke, the way you go get your hot dog, the way you go to the restroom, all that's going to be different. We're just going to ask people to be a little more patient. You know, there might be a little bit longer line at a restroom or something of that nature. You know, you're not going to have, you know, that beautiful, you know, famous maroon band on the field playing the national anthem at the beginning. Um, no bands in our league are going to be able to be on the field. I think that's a shame for those kids because they work just as hard as our football players or anybody else. But again, it's just uh, those are just examples of how it's going to be different, and we're all just going to have to be patient and hopefully 
you know, in years to come, we can just put this in the rearview mirror. Do you see us getting back to a, a semblance of normalcy? Because one of the things that I've been impressed with across the SEC here in our state with our SEC schools here, obviously, you guys in Ole Miss, but then across the SEC, I've been pretty impressed with the protocols that have been put in place and the way that the coaches and the staffs, th- that they're handling this this thing. And so far, it's been contained. If, if there is a continued effort and, and we are keeping the numbers down, do you, do you see this starting to move in a direction towards the end of the season where maybe we get a little closer back to normal? Yeah, you know, one of the real differences, uh, I think the real heroes are the people on our campuses across the league. You know, Dr. Mark Keenum here in Michigan State's done a phenomenal job along with his staff. You know, I, listen, I have 400 student-athletes here at Mississippi State and, and of course, about 220 staff, but he's got 23,000 kids and 5,000 staff. So, I, I mean, just keeping it contained on a campus is extremely difficult, as we all know. But, uh, you know, I, I just – our kids are not in a bubble. That's the biggest difference between our athletes and professional athletes is those professional athletes are in a bubble. They go from their home to their workplace. They practice and then they go home and they, they stay contained. Our kids are going to class, you know, and, and uh, you know, some of it's online, but some of it's in person. And again, I just think it's a real credit to our university keeping all of the students socially distant and, and trying to create a system or a protocol that, it allows us to stay healthy. I am interested to, to get your feedback on this because now that we've had this 10-game schedule that's been put in place, Nick Saban at Alabama has been – he's been in favor of a 10-game conference schedule for, for as long as I can remember. Where do you stand on that? Because we've gotten a lot of great matchups with this schedule. The problem is for a new coaching staff like in Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Missouri and some of these other schools, you, you don't get any any teams to warm up for that SEC gauntlet. So so where do you stand on a 10-game conference schedule? Well, I think there's some benefits to it, and I think we're going to learn a lot after these 10 games. You know, I've always disagreed with folks who say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But <laughs> I, I think you have to recognize the fact that there's a little merit to that. Our league has had so much success in the sport of football. Before you make drastic changes, you really need to think about, you know, my goodness, with all the success that we've had, you know, we need to make sure that we're not doing anything that's going to hurt our league also. So um, I know that's not a great answer to your question, but I I really am kind of reserving my beliefs or my thoughts about this until I can see a complete 10-game schedule this year. But I'll probably have a strong opinion one way or the other uh, when we complete the, the season. And, of course, you know, when football season is going on, I know that a, a lot of just casual pedestrian fans, if you will, they, they think that, oh, that's all that the athletic director is, is focusing on. You're already probably, if I had to guess, already focusing on, okay, I've got this sport that we're going to be starting here on, you know, here in the next several weeks. We've got this sport starting in November. The start of uh, men's basketball season in the SEC was announced uh, a few days ago. So what is this this time of year like for you as an athletic director with, with all the balls in the air that you've got and now you add the pandemic and the restrictions, all the things that are added to your plate? How hectic is it? Well, you know, Jackson, it's not, I mean, it's not hectic. If you're a if you're a head coach in the SEC, I don't care what the sport is, it's hectic because you're trying to make sure your kids are taken care of. You're trying to make sure that those kids are doing the very best they can in the classroom and on the field. 
or on the court, it, it's a challenge. If you do any job the right way, it's always tactics and it's always challenging. You know, I, I, I marvel at the, I'm right now, I'm out on our football practice fields and I marvel at the people who take care of our, our, our grass specialists who are taking care of the fields. I mean, that can be really hectic when a hundred football players are destroying, you know, your work of art every <laughs> single day. I mean, every job that's worthwhile and is challenging can have its hectic moments. But I will say, I love the fact that, you know, this week alone, we're going to have cross country going. We're going to have soccer going. We're at Ole Miss. And by the way, our soccer team's playing very well. We're going to have volleyball coming up here shortly. We're going to have a football game here in Starville on Saturday. So we have a lot of things going on. And I'm just so thankful that we're getting this opportunity okay before i let you go i've got to ask this question because my producer and technical director christopher bragg the the one who produces audibles for us i told him that there was a possibility i was going to be having coach cohen on the podcast and he said I wonder what podcast he's been listening to lately. I said, ah, that's a good question. Because, you know, we talked about that in Audibles. You you are a podcast guy. So what's the podcast of choice this week after a big weekend down on the bayou? What's the podcast of choice this week? Oh, man, I listen to a ton of them. I listen to Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I just just so many of them I can't even off the top of my head. Um I love uh, uh, Fresh Air, you know, NPR's Fresh Air. Yeah. I listen to uh, Literally with Rob Lowe. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, I like Armchair Expert. I've been listening to that one. And you can't forget about the John Cohen podcast. No. So I listen to my own. Everyone's on. Um, I listen to Conan O'Brien's. I mean, it just go the Axe Files. <laughs> I listen to a ton of uh, a ton of, of them. I just... I love getting information all the time from as many different sources as possible. Yeah, I'm curious, like when, when you listen to all these podcasts, I mean, if, if you're like any of us, you go, ooh, that's a good idea. And you kind of you kind of learn from a lot of different places and maybe try to implement some tricks of the trade on your own podcast. At least that's what I do. Yeah, I think that's funny. You know, it's amazing. When I do my own podcast, um, I get so, people always tell me, or my kids tell me, my children and my wife tell me, hey, get conversational and... <laughs> And just have fun with it. But I just, so many times, I just want to know things from my own information. So I get very question-oriented. And instead of having a conversation, it becomes like a, a Q&A type session. But, uh, yeah, I, I listen, I know I'm not the best in the world at it, but it sure is a lot of fun. No, I think you do a great job with it. And you're doing a great job there at Mississippi State, as always. A big win for the Bulldogs over the weekend against defending national champ, LSU and of course the Bulldogs will open up the home season there at Davis Wade against Arkansas this weekend and coach look I always appreciate any time we get to share with you and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road and catching up with you again thank you Jason and Hale State he's coach John Cohen right here on Just Saying we'll take a break come back with more in just a moment the Spirit Media Network is providing coverage of sports faith and entertainment like no one else in Mississippi and the Deep South No other media outlet touches all the bases as we do, from the Friday night lights to rubbing shoulders with the biggest names in college athletics. Be sure to follow us on our multiple platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, our YouTube channel, and by downloading our Roku slash smart TV channel, Spirit Live. Check out our website at spiritmedianet.com for upcoming projects and broadcasts. And stay up to date with what's happening on the Spirit Media Network where we're changing the game. King's Daughters Medical Center and Brookhaven Urology are pleased to announce the addition of Dr. Joel Duff to their medical staff. Dr. Duff specializes in general urology, kidney stones, 
men's and women's urological health, and diagnosing and treating urologic cancers. Don't let these health issues restrict your lifestyle and keep you from enjoying life with your family and friends. Dr. Duff and the staff at Brookhaven Urology are here to serve your needs. To make your appointment, call 601-833-5713 today. There's a blue rocking chair Sitting in the sand Weathered by the storm And well oiled hands All right, we roll on here on Just Saying with yours truly, Jason Scarborough. Glad that you're listening wherever you're listening, whether it is on iTunes, Spotify, how about the TuneIn Radio app, and Stitcher. Finally found out what Stitcher is, thanks to my brother who works in technology out in Austin, Texas. He had to tell me what it was. But we're glad to be with those guys. No matter where you're listening, we appreciate it. The downloads have been great so far. And our next guest on the KDMC guest line, I tell you, he's seen a little bit of everything when it comes to the, I guess, the the evolution of how sports and entertainment and really everything is covered. He's our good friend, Coach Max Howell. He is still, to me, one of the true media legends and uh, always like having his take on college football, specifically the SEC. Coach, I, I know you were glad to see football kick off this weekend. We didn't know back in the summer if we were going to have football. We did, and, and there were some entertaining games. How did you assess the first week of SEC football? Well, let's start. I sit down in my chair at 11 a.m. Central Time, uh, and I, start, I finished up with the last play uh, in Provo, Utah, with Troy and BYU. That was at one thirty a.m. Oh man! The next day, <laughs> so it took me a day or two to re, you know to recoup. But uh, yeah, I was I was happy to, to see it get back. And, and we saw some good football, and we saw some that you know was questionable. I think based on the polls and all going in. But you go have that. This was a you know this is the first game, first week. Uh, some of the teams that didn't didn't execute as well. Uh, just didn't prepare as well, Jason. I haven't done, been there, done that. That's just all it is, too. They can say what they won't do about A&M and Vanderbilt and Georgia and, and Arkansas the first half. You know, all those things you give their reason to it. But when you perform like that, that means you had practiced very well. And, uh, and, of course, I've done the coach speak as well as anybody. And I can tell you what the reason is and, and how it comes about. But, Overall entertaining. I thought we had a you know really good weekend open up. You mentioned that about the the coaching. Is there a game that stands out to you where it looked like? I'm not really asking you to call anybody out. Not that you have a problem with that, but is there a game that stood out to you where you felt like, nah, maybe they weren't prepared. Maybe they didn't practice. I mean, was there something that stood out to you about a team in the SEC that maybe didn't prepare quite the way they should? Yeah, I think there were a couple. I think the LSU game with Mississippi State, mm. taking up with Mississippi State, everybody knew Mike Leach was going to throw the ball 60 times pretty good in the opening ball game. <laughs> but, it, you know, the, the transfer quarterback in Costello threw for over 600 yards. First time in the history of the game. My point is they should have known that. Bo Pelini, by the way, the defensive coordinator's been there before. You know, he's been, he had a stint in, in Nebraska, and I think it was somewhere in the Big Ten last year. But the fact is that you should have been prepared. And the other one, to me, is inexcusable, and that's Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care 
where you are. You open it up. You've got the backing that program has. You got everything that's that's accessible to a program. And uh, and you know you win the, the you win against a team that's voted by everybody in the nation as being the bottom of the SEC. You win by five at home. To me, that's inexcusable. Uh, like I say, and, and I, I don't, I'm not one. Look, you know my background. Uh, I'm not one to be openly vertical, uh, verbally critical, unless I just see it and I saw that on the field. And now, uh, like I say, I've been fortunate enough in the programs I've dealt with was the highest level at the collegiate level and the high school level in this country, and and I've been fortunate that we won uh, in both of those situations. So I think I can I think I can justify by saying <laughs> there were a couple of teams that just weren't prepared. Let's go to A&M for a second, because I was having this conversation with a friend of mine over the weekend, and we were just kind of recapping the, the week in SEC football, and we talked about the A&M game and talked about A&M overall. This has to be one of those years that Jimbo, he's not going to get the excuse of, well, it was a conference-only schedule, and that's tough on everybody. I don't think he's going to get that kind of reprieve from the the brass at Texas A&M or the fan base. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Look, the guy's making 70, you know, his contract was 75 million, seven and a half million dollars a year guaranteed, you know, and he's an eight and five coach the first two years he's there. Uh, the fan base is going to demand more than that. And I can promise you, he certainly didn't hit his popularity by the outcome of this game this past weekend. And guess what? He goes to such close to this week. Oh. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a 230 CBS game which is the most watched game in the country. So, uh, you know, that won't be anything. That, you know, I, that line, what is it, 16 or 17, I think, is already out today. Uh, Alabama will cover that, I can promise you. Uh, Alabama is right there in the, in the league with Clemson. If you hadn't seen those two teams play, uh, you need to take a look. There's a drastic difference in execution between an Alabama and a Clemson team than what we saw at, at Texas A&M this week. He's Coach Max Howell. He was the co-creator of, gosh, just about everything, right? Uh, Southern Sports Tonight, <laughs> Conference Call. I mean, you've been co-creator of a lot of different things. And I want to go back to the Mississippi State-LSU game because sure. it's a big win for Mississippi State, no doubt. What a way to open the Mike Leach era, the pirate, as he's referenced there in Stark Vegas. Great win for Mississippi State, no doubt about it. They looked great. The air raid is in effect. However, you know there's always a comma in some of these situations. Do you sure. think that part of it could be fool's gold for the Mississippi State fan base? They're excited. They should be. They knocked off the national champ. But LSU looked very, very average. So how much stock should we put in that win by Mississippi State over a depleted, when you look at what they had last year, a depleted LSU squad? I think what it did for, for Mississippi State, in all fairness to, to either the, them or LSU, is gave a, a really boost in confidence. Uh, and, and again, I, I would be, a, you know, probably a little more skeptical if Mike Leach wasn't the coach. You go back and check Mike Leach's record. You know, he, he's been to a bowl game like 16 years in a row. You know, in, in every place, Texas State, Washington State, and of course now at, at, uh, at Mississippi, go back and look at all the details that surround that. So you, you can see why the fan base is excited about it, Jason. The fact is, is and then guess what? They got coming up this week. I mean, you know, if they can't win this week, then you know, they don't need – if they have a lap, they can win this week, <laughs> in my opinion. So uh, I'm just saying that the schedule's going to go. And in that one, the confidence level 
shot up. I, you know, the, notwithstanding the offensive style of the ball, which Leach is nationally known for, but I thought the defense played well, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody suspected that. Uh, you know, I think that was just another nail in LSU's coffin to say, hey, you either you don't have any talent and or you didn't prepare or a combination of both. So, I, you know, I think that game meant more just the win on the field. I think, I think we're going to see a Mississippi State, probably see a Mississippi State team, a team this year in seven grade ball games. And I didn't think that two weeks ago. I had them at five or six. Now let's switch over to Oxford. Ole Miss, they open up with number five, Florida, now number three in the country. Uh, Florida's yep. good. Florida returned a lot of dudes from last year. We got to see Florida LSU up close and personal last year. And I, I told our producer that I went to the game with, I said, if Florida brings back all these guys next year, they will be in, in the playoff. So Ole Miss, let's talk about you know defensive woes continued for the Rebels, but offensively there's a lot of optimism. What did you take from that game? I, I, I did likewise. They, were, they impressed me offensively more so. And not just the, the execution of, of Corral. and Because probably uh, didn't have a great option day, a running day. Uh, but he was used adequately, I think, to begin with. But Corral did a good job. Uh, he took a, a, a new element of an offense uh, and went, to, you know, went against a, uh, an SEC quality defense. I do think that Florida played a little vanilla because not knowing offensively what all they were going to do, I think they found out real quick that the Corral kid was going to be a real quarterback. Uh, so, I mean, Ole Miss fans are going to be a little excited about where they are right now. Kiffin's going to going to be able to build that program. Uh, having success the first year, as you said, what's holding them back is a, is the amount of talent they've got on the defensive side. And then I, I'm, I will get concerned when they get into a really physical game, uh, you know, with an Alabama, uh, Auburn, when they get to that point, uh, you know, they, I think they, they're going to have to struggle a little bit because they don't have enough depth uh, on, on either side right now. But that, that'll come. Uh, you know, if they can get by with five or six wins this year, play close in the rest of the games, I think uh, I think kids will be happy, and I think the fan base will be relatively happy. It's interesting with Plumley because we we were told by sources, for whatever that's worth, that Plumley had a bum wheel. He was struggling with a hamstring. Kiffin was yep. publicly saying, well, Corral played well early. That's why there wasn't really a place yep. for John Rice. But, but we heard behind the scenes Kiffin did not want to alert Florida, hey, you know, one of our guys kind of has a bum wheel, may not be as effective. But now at this point, now that you've got a game behind you, let's say, you know, Plumlee's going to get healthy. He's going to get back to 100%. How does he fit into this offense now? From, from you seeing how this offense played, you knowing how the game works better than anybody – how does Plumlee fit in now? I think I think they had him at right where he's going to fit. I think his production will be up. Uh, I mean, he he actually actually uh, running was what less than three yards of carry. Well, we didn't see any of that last year. We just full speed at, at the quarterback position. Now I think they'll put in a package for him to run from the quarterback position, either some form of rollout, uh, you know, run pass option type, and let him you know let him if the guys open he'll throw it. But otherwise quarter like he did last year. I think I think the, the pattern is set, Jason. It's just now performance. And uh and it was evident that he wasn't full speed. I mean, I never thought about a ham. I didn't ever think about an injury factor. I just thought Florida, you know, was kind of geared for that when he was in the game. I don't want him to do a whole lot different. But but you know, because of the performance against 
If at that time, the number five team in the country, I don't know that I'd do anything different. Just work on and perfect what you got and then move forward. So uh, they got Kentucky this week coming up, and Kentucky's a little bit better than people fall. Uh, take nothing away from Auburn and their victory over there. But uh, Auburn didn't, didn't get on the, you know, they didn't really start turning it over the second half. Uh, you, you let you get behind on the road, they got to go to Lexington. They, you know, they get behind up there. That's a, that's a six, what, six and a half point ball game. Uh, that's just a little above a pickup game. So, I, you know, I look for that to be a really good ball game. Ole Miss needs to win that one, though. I mean, that's one of the games they really should win. But Kentucky knows that as well. So, uh, I think, like I say, I think the package is there. Uh, the offense is set. They just need to fine-tune it as well as anybody. I want to go back to, to Auburn. You mentioned Auburn, and, and I actually had picked Kentucky to win that game. I thought Kentucky would, would win. I think and I wasn't alone. For once, I wasn't alone in, in picking a game like that, thankfully. But Auburn, like you said, turn it on in the second half. How for real is Auburn? Because they lost a lot of defensive talent. It's all on Bo Nix this year. Just how good is Auburn? Well, you know, here's what I've said about Gus Miles on his Auburn team since he's been there. Here's the, here's the most consistent point about his offense is inconsistency. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you, the reason is, I mean, look, you know where they got to go this week at 6.30 on Saturday night? They're being at the Georgia. Oh, man. <laughs> now, here's let's say this. If Auburn played as well the second half up there, if they do that up there, and Georgia played as poor as they did the first half, Georgia won't win that game. Auburn will be so far ahead, they won't catch up. Mm. So I, I just say that they've got the talent. Uh, they've done that. I'm, I'm, I read several quotes, and I know enough about what's going on there with Chip Lindsey and some of the other coordinators. He got Chad Marsh calling the plays. And, uh, and if he looked at only the plays, I'm, I say he did a pretty good job in the second half. And uh, maybe Gus stayed involved the first half and then he just gave it to him the second half. I don't know. But, uh, I, you know, I think Auburn can be pretty good. But just remember that they got to play in the SEC West. And I don't care where you are, who you are, that thing every Saturday. Now that you play just a, a kid game schedule in the Southeastern Conference, that is a that's a challenge for anybody anywhere. I really believe that Florida is going to have a have their way with Georgia this year. After seeing Florida last year and seeing them, who all they brought back, and give credit to Dan Mullen. You may love him, you may hate him, but the guy can flat out coach, and, and that pains okay. a lot of us here in Mississippi to say that, no matter what side you're on. But the guy can coach. I really believe that Florida is the favorite in the East. Am I crazy to think that? No, by, by no means. I mean, I call that myself last year. Uh, but look, he took a team that has been struggling for the last couple of years, particularly after Urban Meyer left, and they won 10 each, each year. Uh, I'm going to tell you, as you pointed out, and I, I have the, the same opinion, uh, I, I don't know that I could probably work for him. Uh, he's, you know, his personality is not pleasing to, to most people. But I'm going to tell you, he might be the best play caller in the Southeastern Conference. Mm. And uh, you go back and look at the trash kid. You saw him come in and take over for Lippy Franks last year. He had a, a, you know, a really good year to get him to what he was. If you watched him close this Saturday against Ole Miss, the guy's got a touch on the ball, and that many NFL guys have got. Mm-hmm. He's a six-five, six-six kid, two hundred twenty pounds. He can run adequately, not great, but enough to get out of the pocket when he has to. But the touch he has on the ball, 
He knows when to zip it in between two and the double coverage. He knows when to lay it on that left shoulder when they go down the sideline, too. And he does it automatically. Uh, the kid, the kid is, a, is a major NFL prospect, I'll tell you. Uh, now, they, they've got to work on some things. The winning game wasn't very good. They used a Tony kid, which I think is the best athlete they got. They used him as a, as a slot back, a wide receiver, a tailback. They got him moving around. But, see, that's Dan Mullen. Uh, he's going to take the, and put the best players on the field in the best position. But I absolutely agree. In fact, I look, after that game, I went for the schedule. Other than the Georgia game in Jacksonville, they'll win. They'll win by double. They'll win by double uh, numbers in every other game they play. I'm mm. convinced of that. Uh, Georgia, and I think they beat Georgia. I really do. Georgia's defense is the only thing they got that can keep them in a game like a, a team like Florida. They can't. Uh, let's say this. And they got the Alabama coming up in a week. They ain't got enough players to beat Alabama. I don't care who they are. Yeah, I want to ask about Alabama because they had their way with Missouri Saturday night, and I don't think anybody was surprised at that. But it is a different Alabama team, and there might be – we say this every year. There might be some chinks in the armor. Where are they? Because it's not too uh, – and the rest of the Avengers this year is <laughs> Mac Jones, and he does have uh, Waddle back. I think Devontae Smith is back, and he's got Najee Harris to, to tote the rock. And Alabama's always got great defensive players. How do you see Alabama shaping up this year? Because I will tell you, our friend Tim Brando a few weeks ago, he believes Alabama's going to lose two games this year. What do you think? Uh, I need to call Tim and take a little <laughs> bit of action. Uh, <laughs> In fact, not only, not only would I take the action straight up, I'll take it with, with points. Oh, man. Uh, Alabama ain't going to lose this year. I'm telling you, the reason they that they didn't look good the fourth quarter, mainly because there wasn't anything in there but twos and threes. I mean, if they play ones a whole ball game, other than Clemson, I ain't seen, now I ain't seen Ohio State yet, but ain't nobody but Clemson got the same talent on the field as Alabama. And it just look, look at the technique that they run and, and the way they get after people. Watch the offensive line block. You know, watch the defensive stunts with the front four. I'm not talking about bringing linebackers. No, just watch how they do the twist and all inside with the four, the athletic ability. And the Williams kid out there is when he's 6'7", 265 pounds. He got run D.J. Harris. I mean, I'm just saying the talent level uh, will get them there and, and don't, don't think by a long shot. Jason, that they don't have a chip on his shoulder because they didn't get to the playoffs last year because they do. He's Coach Max Howell joining us here on Just Saying on the Spirit Media Network. So Florida doesn't have a chance against Alabama. That's a game that I would love to see in the SEC championship game. Florida doesn't stand a chance against Bama? Well, you know, I'm not, you, you always you know can't say by that time who knows who's playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about who's on the field. Trash may be down. Uh, I mean, you know, you go back and look, and, and uh, Matt Jones may be out, and they have to go with, you know, with Young, the, the freshman quarterback. And uh, he didn't look great the other night. He was adequate, but he didn't. He's not. He's not a championship type quarterback right now as a freshman. So, and you can't. Dadja Harris may be out. You can't say how that. I'd say that's who's going to play for it. I'll be honest with you. That's my opinion right now. But uh, I'll I'll be interested to see. I I think Alabama's better coach. From top to bottom, you know, I'll say this. I, I'll say that where where Dan Mullen excels is coaching quarterbacks and uh, and then play calling. I think is if you always notice, and he's still sticking two or three plays in there 
that you scratch your head why he run that at that time. It's always to set something else up. And uh, so I, you know, I, I I like I like that come I like that competition between those two. If I had to guess right now, if they play in Atlanta, Alabama would be favored from three to six points the way they played up to now. And, uh, and Alabama comes away with a win. All right, so here's the matchups for this Saturday. All these times are, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the central times. I think I can do that math in my head. South Carolina <laughs> at number three, Florida. That'll be an 11 o'clock kick on ESPN. Missouri. At number 21, Tennessee, that'll be an 11 o'clock kick on the SEC Network. Number 13, Texas A&M at number two, Alabama. The 2.30 kick on CBS, Ole Miss at Kentucky. We referenced that game. Three o'clock kick on the SEC Network. Arkansas at now number 16, Mississippi State. 6.30 p.m. kickoff on the SEC Network alternate. Number seven, Auburn at number four, Georgia. 6.30 kick on ESPN. And number 20, LSU at Vanderbilt, 630 SEC Network. All right, so what game is the sneaky good game for an upset? Is there one this weekend at all? You know, I, I think I think the Tennessee game, mm. uh, I mean, I, just think about it. The Bruins doing a good job. Uh, you know, they won by what they were supposed to. The line was three. Tennessee on the road to South Carolina, and they win by four. So, so I mean, it, that was a, a, a perfect pick. Uh, I think I think Pruitt's got him, you know, had a guy headed in the right direction right now. Missouri's better than I thought they were, but they don't have enough depth as far as the talent's concerned. Uh, I've said from day one the Kentucky Tennessee game matchup in a couple of weeks, three or four weeks now. The winner there will uh, finish a solid number three, and if you know if if Florida Georgia stumbles, they could ease into that number two slot. I doubt that, but I'm gonna say a solid number three. So uh, I like that matchup. I like Tennessee. I think I think they're on the on the rise right now. And uh, of course, all the Georgia game. I think everybody six thirty will watch that one just to see. You know, I I, have, I, I, I try not to do this, Jason, but from time to time, when some avid fans get on there, they really just start they keep hyping their team, and, <laughs> and I, I'm bad about. Jumping on there just for a sentence or two and shoot in the dark. Uh, <laughs> one of my best friends in Memphis, uh, and I've been doing it for 25 years, and he's the biggest Georgia fan you've ever seen. I texted him this morning. Here's my question Can Kirby ever win a national championship? Ooh. He's recruited the best talent that Georgia's ever had, and you're ever going to get with him. In fact, I tell you this he's one or two games ahead of Mark Rick. <laughs> And remember, yeah, I, Georgia fans practically ran Mark Richt off. I know, that was my point. <laughs> I mean, it was a ten and two coach for fifteen years. Right, they ran him off. <laughs> right. That that that's why I know that, that I'm, I'm finally figuring out over the years of knowing you and our friendship, you being in the coaching ranks, why you guys really don't pay attention to what these fan bases say because one minute fan bases are that, – that's so crazy to make that point that he's only – Kirby's only two games ahead of Mark Rick, and they ran Mark Rick out of town. That's exactly right. How does that and make sense? All, and you know all the response I got from him? We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> what else can they so say I right now? I, got to, I, do, I usually didn't have an answer for that. <laughs> I think I mean, okay, so so who who is the poor man's? I don't even know what you would call it at this point, but who is more on the hot seat this year? Is it Jimbo or is it Kirby? Well, Kirby's got another. He's got another year because he has he has done exceptionally well in recruiting. Okay, and, you know they've gotten to the playoffs. 
It's got to be Jimbo. Yeah. <laughs> Jimbo, Jimbo and he got to, I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if, if he wins, he has to win the homecoming game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with that. And then let's go from there. Look, <laughs> and the reason I can do that laughingly is because there's no there's no excuse for that not to happen. No, there. I mean he is becoming the last. Now here's the other side of that. Now I, I will give you this: do your homework. The last national championship Texas A&M won, 1938. No man. <laughs> but but no. remember, he's he's. I've got opinions about their athletic director too, but that's another story for another day. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Ross Bjork and Jimbo Fisher, uh, just yeah. yeah, shined up wooden nickels. But anyway, I, hey, you could quote me on that. I said that. <laughs> anyway, Coach, look, I appreciate your friendship so much. It is always good to talk to you. Just so thankful that that we just get these these times to talk football. Looking back at the summer when, when we came up to Tupelo for audibles and our sit down with you and, and those conversations about hoping and praying that we had football. Well, we've got it. It's here. And yep. uh, look forward to talking to you again about SEC football down the road. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason, for the opportunity. You're doing a great job with your programs and you know, I'm available for you anytime. Just give me a call. I appreciate that. He's Coach Max Howell, friend of the Spirit Media Network and College Football Insider. We appreciate his time. We take a break. Come back with more on Just Saying right here on the Spirit Media Network. When it comes to cooking meals, drying clothes, heating water, and my home, natural gas from Centerpoint Energy is the best way to go. It saves money, offers comfort, and is better for the environment. So whether you're buying a new home or just replacing appliances, go with clean-burning, affordable natural gas from right here in the U.S. At Centerpoint Energy, we're investing in infrastructure to help bring comfort and savings to you. Visit centerpointenergy.com slash natural gas benefits to learn more. Centerpoint Energy, always there. You often hear about Mississippi's best-kept secrets. If you're looking for the perfect place for your next weekend getaway or the just-right setting for your wedding reception, look no further than the best-kept secret in Mississippi, the Cart Barn Inn. The Cart Barn Inn is tucked away in Bruce, Mississippi, less than 30 minutes from Oxford, and is a full-service bed and breakfast. Each room at the Cart Barn Inn is fully furnished, including flat-screen TVs, microwaves, refrigerators, wireless internet, comfortable seats, seating areas, and docking stations for your smartphones just in case you forgot your charger. Enjoy breakfast in the morning or a nice evening walk in our privately fenced-in courtyard. Enjoy the game outside on our patio area or take a walk on our boardwalk to our private gazebo. Kay Tyler and her staff will meet every expectation during your stay. Call and book your reservation today at 662-983-7829 or log on to cartbarnin.com. Cart Barn Inn, the best-kept secret in Mississippi. King's Daughters Medical Center and Brookhaven Urology are pleased to announce the addition of Dr. Joel Duff to their medical staff. Dr. Duff specializes in general urology, kidney stones, men's and women's urological health, and diagnosing and treating urologic cancers. Don't let these health issues restrict your lifestyle and keep you from enjoying life with your family and friends. Dr. Duff and the staff at Brookhaven Urology are here to serve your needs. To make your appointment, call 601-833-5713 today.
Thanks for listening to Just Saying with Jason Scarborough, produced and recorded by the Spirit Media Network. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn Radio app. We'll see you next time for more thought-provoking commentary right here on Just Saying with Jason Scarborough.